The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome this morning to the Source of Truth podcast. We are so glad you've joined us this morning as we've been taking 15 to 20 minutes out of every morning at the end of the morning uh, to be able to spend some time studying God's Word. Our goal is really, as we our theme verse is, um, that, my, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we understand um, that the Word of God is what we're to follow, and we believe it's got the answers for everything that comes today and all the battles that would come. And so we go to the Word of God for encouragement, for instruction, for wisdom. And uh, so today I want to continue, and as we've been going through Proverbs, and the last few times, often now we've been spending really hitting one of the topics, as we mentioned, Proverbs uh, often is, repeats a lot of the issues for, um, for its redundancy, but for emphasis and for instruction, and again, another one we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about what I've entitled the next generation. Uh, what do we do about the next generation? There's an awful lot of questions about... Um, how do we keep the next generation in church? How do we prepare the next generation for what's coming? Uh, how do we prepare them for the world they're going to receive? How do we prepare them to love the Lord? And uh, one of the things I strive not to do is run to a lot of personal opinion on this. Uh, statistically speaking, the next generation, uh, really between 18 and 28 to 30, will walk out of church uh, and try to, shall we say, evaluate life and then towards the end of that, come back. Um, this is true across all, honestly, it's across all denominations. This is not just true of Baptists, it's true across all denominations. It's just a cultural truth. Um, my desire is not to evaluate that point. My desire is to look at much of what Scripture has told us. Um, and I'm really going to look at it from two points of view as to what I think. And, and I, don't, I don't dare to say that these answers will solve all the problems. What I want to do is see the wisdom that Proverbs has given us. Now, let me start this premise by saying this. I hope we understand how important it is for us to recognize the needs of the next generation. And what I mean by that is spiritual needs. Well, we, we, know it's, we look at the physical needs and we look at the social needs. But I hope that especially in the current culture and current direction of our country that we understand more importantly the spiritual needs and i also hope we understand that we cannot force the next generation to follow in our beliefs we cannot force them to hold the position we do uh, but there are some things we can do and that'll be the first half of what we're going to look at actually both of these what we can do so what what can we do i'm going to start with the verse from proverbs 22 very very popular verse. We use it often, and it says, train, uh, verse 22, chapter 22, verse uh, 6, it says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I want to start for the second, because this specifically, you know, immediately looks at parenting and things of that nature. It is a one directed towards parenting, but I encourage you that this can this 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 is helped by with grandparenting and helped by mentoring and things of that nature. That yes, maybe you're not a parent of a young child right now. You might be a grandparent. You might have a chance to mentor. Uh, what we're going to look at a few things I think can be a help and a detriment to this. But let me take just a minute on this verse. Uh, it's a very important verse if we fully understand the passage of it. I understand the meaning of it. I have heard several things. I've heard this. I've heard that if we as parents train up our children correctly, that when they get to 18, 19, and 20, they will not depart from Jesus at all. 
Then I went back and I said, I know good families, who godly people. You know, sometimes you see some that, you know, maybe they look good, but in reality at home they're not. I'm, I'm not even referencing that. I'm talking godly people who've done their best and yet their kids for a period of time walk away, very little to do with God. And uh, the big question is sometimes, why do preachers' fam families struggle going back to church and things of that nature? And, and we got this verse, and if we look at this verse and say, if we train them right, they'll never depart, um, we struggle with the reality of what we see. Now, can I tell you, that's not what it means. Now, I will also say this, um, the phrase, when he is old, does from the Hebrew mean gray-headed. It does talk about not necessarily what we consider adulthood. You know, okay, he's 18, he'll be perfect. Uh, can, I, can I ask you to go back and evaluate your thinking at the age of 17, 18, 19 through 23, uh, the post-high school, college years where you had to make some of the most important decisions of your life? And have we ever evaluated those times to wonder what our thinking was like during that time? And I am glad for the grace and God and long suffering of God and the patience of people around me as I evaluated those same times and made my decisions um, and, and my decision to follow Jesus and follow the word of God. But please remember, it's not talking about they will never go. Now, here's another important one. Uh, the word depart. It's a very interesting, important word when we say they will not depart. Uh, when you study it out, and I've done some research and I've heard preachers on this, and I've mentioned this in church. This is not new to many who are watching, but an interesting truth. He said, when he is old, when they were old, they will not depart from it. The word depart also really could mean escape. They will not escape it. So here's what it means, simplistically put. If we train up our children, the next generation, in the way they should go, when they are old, as they get old, the truths will not depart. They will not be able to depart from the truths that they have been taught. Understand? They will not be able to escape the truths that have been taught. It never states that some of them will never depart from our positions, our preferences, and our teachings. Some of them will. Some, some in great homes and preachers' homes or good Christian homes in the church, they do. Their kids just walk out. Why? Well, this verse does not say it won't happen. This verse says that as they do or whatever they do, they will not be able to depart from the teachings. God has promised that as we train them up in a very specific way, that their teaching, that the teaching we give them, they will not be able to escape that teaching. So even when they're going right, the teaching will be there. When they choose to go wrong, their teaching will be there. To an extent, they will be, I don't want to say haunted, but constantly reminded in their life of the teaching that was given by by us, and it's God's responsibility. He keeps doing that. We've done our part, and then they will make a decision based upon that. The promise is not that our children or the next generation will never stray or never struggle. The promise is that as they go, if we've trained them well, that training will stay with them as they make their decisions, and they're going to have to make their own decisions. So as you look at the next generation, I want to look from two thoughts. That's the core verse we see here. Uh, let me just give you a few others. I think there's just two thoughts that I've broken up from a couple chapters in the in Proverbs. And we could include a lot more, but I already have like 12, 15 verses written down here. So the first thing I think is necessary for us to help the next generation is to give them a good example. I definitely needed to give them a good example. Proverbs 24, verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change, for their calamity shall rise suddenly. And who knoweth the ruin of them both? One, fear the Lord authority, respect them, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Here's what I would say. Show them the fear of God, show them respect to authority, and be careful about people who are swaying and aren't consistent. Find good examples in your life and the ones you place around your family that are godly examples. Not always just nice people, which you want nice people, but godly examples. One, here's the question. 
Does my time with this person draw me closer to God and respect to my authorities? Does this person drive me in, in respect to authority, respect and fear of, my, fear of God, and closer to God? Is that the example I'm getting, or is it driving me away? That I need to have my, around myself and around my family a good example. If you place the next generation around people who are indifferent about God, indifferent about authority, indifferent about this, the next generation you're watching won't take it seriously. They're going to follow the examples you place in their life. Be very careful. These people, their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who so knoweth the ruin of them both? Be careful who you put around yourself and around other people. Bring a good example into your home. Proverbs 21, 29, a wicked man hardens his faith. But as for the upright, he directed his way. Can I tell you, a wicked man gets angry and says, I'm not going to listen. Always be a person that's growing. Always be a person that's learning. Always be a person that accepts correction, is striving to grow and embracing the truth. Accepting when I'm wrong, always trying to be right. Never letting pride stop me from growing. Let my family, let the next generation see that we're not so arrogant that we don't see God working in our life. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare into thy soul. And again, example for you and for them. Can I tell you why example in the home? It's important because your next generation sees who you associate with. But who you associate with will establish who you become. The Bible clearly states, can two walk together except they be agreed. You get around a critical person, you'll become critical, and you'll produce critics. You get around somebody who's kind of indifferent about truly following God, you will become that, and your next generation will follow that. This is even less about me and little preferences in my struggle, more about what my, the next generation is following. You know what the next generation, especially teens, struggle with the most is indifference, hypocrisy, inconsistency. You know, parents to act one way at church and not at home. Boy, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with God. Let's be honest with the next generation. They're not looking for perfection and definitely not looking for somebody who claims perfection because none of us have it. They're looking for reality. And I think, and I know a lot of people walk away from church in this because they're just done with the fake. They're just done with the fake. Don't bring people, and a lot of it is who you hang out with. Be careful what happens at home. May it be real, that they see real. Um, verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 9. It is better to dwell in the corner of a house tap than with a brawling uh, woman in a wide house. 21, verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than, a content, than with a contentious and angry woman. Now, I'll be honest. I've seen a lot of pastors use this and just kind of run. And uh, let me just tell you, we could spend a lot of time looking at this controversial, these two verses. Can I, be, I can say this. Um, as I've studied Proverbs, these are not the only two times that Proverbs mentions the struggle of the home and what happens with contentious women. I often, often ask, how come it's specific to women, not to men? I don't have a lot of answers to that. There's a lot of specific commands to men. Ephesians talks a lot about the selfishness of men and how we need to act differently. But here's what I'm going to tell you. We'll look at these. Can I just state this, women? I don't know if you understand the influence you have on the home. The influence you have on your husbands, the influence you have on your children, the influence you have on the atmosphere of the home. I know women often say, I really want my husband to lead. Can I encourage you? They won't lead if every time they lead, they're criticized. They won't lead if every time they lead, they're told they're leading the wrong direction. They won't lead if every time they make a mistake, it's pointed out. Um, it's just the way it's going to be. They're not going to, if you don't want, you know, they won't lead if you won't follow. 
That's really what it comes down to. Men, we should. We should lead no matter what. We should be the leaders. We should be the examples. We should be cherishing a wise. Can I tell you, sometimes the reason women struggle is they're not being cherished like they should be. Uh, men have a tendency, well, I'm the leader, I'm the strong, I'm this, I'm that. Yes, that's true. We should lead spiritually. But you know, it's interesting. Remember, we're to lead women. The Bible says as a weaker vessel. When we were at our couples retreat, Pastor White made a really good point when he talked about the weaker vessel. It does not mean weaker per se. Obviously, I physically are. It's just a fact. Women are physically weaker than men. But that's not the point of the verse. The, the idea of weaker means frail, easily broken. And here's the point. We are to treat them with such love and cherish them in such a way because they are frail. We're to love them and protect them, not to lord over them. And I think sometimes we do that so much in this, I'm the leader there to submit, and we miss the premise of all of what's being said there. Now, so number one, men, love your wives, cherish your wives, treat them with respect. Don't be that lording leader. Give them what they need. Love them in a way that God loves us, long-suffering, gracious, not harsh, and not selfishly. Jesus went to the cross, the most unselfish thing you could do. That's what he wants us to do. Having said that, women, there is an important part of the example Show that. You have an important, an important influence in your home. And don't, don't make your home a way where no one wants to be there. And I just encourage, encourage you with that. We need to be an example. We need to be an example of godliness. We need to be an example of, of truth, of asking for forgiveness from wrong, of, of making corrections and growing because everybody sees our, our weaknesses. No one's oblivious to it, maybe except us. Grow in that. Let the next generation see real Christianity, not, spirit, not fake spirituality, but a real relationship with Jesus, which means I'm growing through sanctification. So my kids will see when I'm good, when I'm bad, they will see growth. Let me give you, though, he also, for the next generation, gives a good example, but he says we need to give specific direction. Um, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Chapter thir- 23, verse 13, Withhold not correction from the child, um, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Eve, uh, let me just give those two verses. We could talk a lot about, does that mean spanking? That does not. We understand there's some context in history, what was traditional. I'm not going to get into that. Can I tell you this? What we do know is God has specifically said it is our responsibility to guide, direct, and discipline our children to the point where they understand right and wrong. And so we're so busy debating, well, I don't know if this is right, I don't know if this is wrong. Here's the question, are we disciplining, guiding them, and teaching them right from wrong? When they leave the home, will they understand right from wrong? Will they understand that God loves them? Will they understand certain things that are wrong have consequences? Are we more concerned about disciplining them and guiding them than we are about making them feel good? Are we more concerned about parenting them than we are about befriending them? Are we concerned about making sure they are prepared spiritually? Because if they think they run the home, they will never, if they won't, let me phrase that. If they won't submit to their parents, they'll struggle submitting to the authority, which means they'll struggle submitting to God. Guiding them and directing them is preparing them with a tender heart to God. They're not always going to like it, but we don't like it. So I encourage encourage you, be consistent, be loving, because the the most loving thing you can do is correct your child, and be serious about this and what direction God leads you. Be serious about that. And, and don't play around and say, well, the world says this, and don't let the world establish what it's going to be. Right? Sending them to their room for hours with all this technology is not the answer. Right? I'm going to put you in a room for five hours separated from me, and then you can sit on YouTube and you can sit on Facebook, be very, very, very or Instagram or, or whatever. Be very careful. 
that we don't use the world's culture um, in answering what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be following God's direction. Here's why. Interesting. Proverbs 20, verse 11, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Place a high expectation on your children. Whether they're only 15, only 17, only 18, I'm not saying they'll be perfect, but don't, don't just excuse sin and don't just excuse wrong. I'm not saying overreact. I'm saying help them to realize they can mature beyond this and, and their, their testimony is important even at that age. Proverbs 23, verse 4, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. That's what we're trying to do. Prepare the next generation. And it's more about me. It's more about looking good. It has nothing to do with what people think about me as a parent. It's more about the heart of that next generation. Can I tell you my greatest fear, and this is 20 years of ministry talking, why I think the next generation struggles with following is personally because too many people are more concerned about looking spiritual and acting good and, and, and there's not as much about a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and being right with God and being sincere. I do believe that. After 11 years in youth ministry and working in school and all that, that's, that's really my opinion. There's not a reality in our Christian walk. Uh, we ignore sin, we mock at sin, and we live. And we just, I'm not saying being perfect. I'm saying being sensitive to God and following God, making it real, and then applying it at home. Just having our devotions is great, but if it doesn't influence how I, how I act as a father, that's not right. I must let those things be real, be forgiving, be loving, be gracious, long-suffering. Also expect and, and, and want goodness and following God in our homes for the next generation. Reality. Uh, and, let, and let the kids see that. Let the next generation see that, whether in our home. If you're a grandparent, mentor that. If you're in church, let them see that. Let the kids see, and not criticism and, and, and little backbiting and all the things we disagree with. And let me be honest with you, in church right now, in COVID, there are a million things we can argue about how church is done. A million things that can separate us over what we think should be done. Don't let those things happen. May we come together and let this drive us together, even in our differences of opinion as we strive to do right and let the, let the next generation see a church that loves God and loves each other and grows through this. I hope this was an encouragement. I understand, again, like I said last time, it's easy for us to say, man, it's a bit overwhelming. I, I don't think that. I think what we see is a great opportunity to encourage the next generation, to, to, to embed in the next generation, and to, and to reach the next generation for the cause of Christ. May that be our goal. May that be our desire. And it starts with us. Because we can't train somebody to go right if we're not following that same thing we ask of them to. Don't just say, do as I say, not as I do. Let our example scream louder than anything we would say. Thank you for taking time to join us today in Proverbs. And uh, we hope this was a help. We hope it was an encouragement. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And uh, this weekend, we're having our Sunday morning service at 10. And we'll continue to give announcements as we add our 9 o'clock service that starts December 6th. Thanks for joining us today. We we'll look forward to seeing you next time.